Hey everybody, this is Sam Becker with the Curls, uh, doing your, uh, doing my, your intro, uh, hey, everyone owns this now, not me, uh, doing my intro, uh, in the middle of cleaning my apartment, I was, uh, I was doing that, and then I realized, hey, I haven't actually, I have an episode that I had to go out, and it didn't go out, because, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, so, uh, better late than never, I suppose, uh, this this is uh, an episode that's just me and James, uh, Roman on the Rocks, for, for those of you uh, who know him that way. Um, it's just us kind of, you know, talking about some stuff. A lot of, a lot of it having to do with DC Comics. Um, some of, some of it will be uh, looking at the television show. So, uh, kind of a minor spoiler warning here. Um, there's going to be an episode coming up in a couple of weeks as of recording this that will be myself and Nathan talking about uh, those shows in depth. So don't worry, we are not we don't go too far in, but we might. It's been a while since we recorded it. Uh, so just keep an open mind or uh, cautionary uh, ears out for spoilers that might uh, you know uh, make you quite angry that we said those things about a show that you haven't watched yet. So yeah, uh, pleased to enjoy uh, this episode, which is just me and James talking about General Miscellany. What about you? Yes. I decided to stay home from work today because I uh, just wasn't feeling it. <laughs> you know, I probably should have. I probably should have for the last like month and a half. But. <laughs> I'm sure then you'd have to explain your absence or something like that. <laughs> then you just go like, how do you know I wasn't there? Hmm. Right. <laughs> They're like, well, you got me. So, <laughs> looks like we'll Maybe pay you. You're the crazy one. <laughs> what if the whole time you were the one that was absent? <laughs> what a twist. And then throw that in there, like that little last part. The yeah, exactly. Then they're like, definitely put that in there. Yeah. And then they just kind of look at you like you were the one who was absent. Like, well, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta give All me right, an uh, A for effort. I tried. Shit in the box. Got it. Great. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, um, I'm gonna put up the episode tomorrow for you and JP. I assume it's you and JP. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I think we were both really tired <laughs> when we did that episode. No, I haven't. I haven't listened to it. Like, I don't. I don't really listen to them until I put them out, and then I listen to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good to know that you implicitly trust JP like that. I try to. I mean, <laughs> I, the I guess with the last one with the uh, feedback loop that I still have to put the newer, the fixed version because I was I was starting to listen to it because I'm like I you know I don't 
play a lot of video games, but I thought I'd at least listen to what you and JP were talking about, just in case there was something that I'm familiar with. <laughs> and then I'm like, I think it was like tw- maybe 20 minutes in? No, I think it was even less than that. And then I'm just kind of like, there's, there's some... What's going on in the background? Is James just starting to talk and he doesn't hear JP? <laughs> and then I started to realize it was the same stuff you'd just been talking about. And I'm like, oh, there we go. <laughs> but maybe I should listen to this one <laughs> just in case. <laughs> uh, figure it out in post. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay, well, I assume based on the description, uh, you guys talked about Jeff Johns for the most part? Yeah. Okay, so... Good old Jeff. Good old Jeff. Yeah, because I don't, I don't necessarily want to repeat the same stuff, you know, or whatever. Mostly what we talked about was we talked a little bit about Rebirth, um, oh. and what Jeff Johns kind of came out and finally revealed to the world about <laughs> Rebirth and how... If by revealed, uh, you mean had to, like, uh, talk about because Reddit already spoiled it. Right. Right. <laughs> For me, it was just a big, like, after, like, reading all I was just like, so... What you're saying is... <laughs> you realize the new 52 was a mistake. Mm-hmm. It took you, like, four years to fucking admit that. Five. Five? God damn it. Right. Five years to admit that everything you did was a mistake. So now you're backpedaling by saying everybody lost their memories for the last ten years. <laughs> like, With what? ten years, which like, okay, which is, fur- which is further back. <laughs> like, from all of that. It's like based on the timelines and how old everyone is actually supposed to be. It's like what? Because they actually de-aged a lot of people to do the new Fifty Two. So if you're telling me that, because the Wally West that shows up, the the OG Wally West, who's white, and now it's just like, are you backtracking? Now you're backtracking on, on Black Wally West, who is still there, but hasn't been developed as a character, really. <laughs> like, yeah, which we didn't even, like, dive into all of that. Like, the real, like, how do we feel about the real details? Like, the big thing that both of us were just like, was the big reveal that, and it's all because of... Dr. Manhattan. I was like, Big Blue Wingus, man, fucked everything up. That's what you're going with. Really? <laughs> it's like, wow, you guys really want to hold on to those Watchmen rights, apparently. Oh my god. It's like, uh, so it's like, fuck. Well, and as we discussed, ultimately what it was, was we were like, well, this can go one of two ways when it's Jeff Johns. Mm-hmm. Either Jeff Johns will do just that. Like, he'll breathe new life into it. It might not be new life that everybody enjoys, mm-hmm. but he'll either cover a very broad scope of the span spectrum, or the fan spectrum, there you go. The span spectrum? Um, the span spectrum. Um, <laughs> All the different types of spam. <laughs> uh, so, either he'll cover a very broad spectrum of that, mm-hmm. or it'll be just as bad as the new 52 was. <laughs> Where, like, a great majority of readers are like, this is fucking stupid. Well, yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like when they announced the Rebirth stuff, I was I was pretty meh on it. But yeah. I did watch the um, their, like, exclusive thing at WonderCon where they, they did the whole, like, let's announce all of the teams. And, and when they did the, the Bat team, and you see, like, three women, or no, it was, like, two women or whatever, um, and you're like, 
oh my god, two women writers in the Bat Family books or whatever, and, and then you realize they're both on the same book. And <laughs> No, maybe there are three. No, it's three women. One's on Batgirl and two are on Birds of Prey, basically. And, and so you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm up for this. And then it's like, I think out of the hour, hour and a half they were doing that thing, like, no women on stage until Amanda Connor shows up when they're just talking about Harley Quinn again. And even then, she's referred to in, um, basically uh, referred to as almost like her husband's property. And this is like, okay, so in the entire announcement of your new books, which, uh, and I don't care what they say, two ninety nine dollars uh, flat price for all the books, but then still doing double publishing, you know, you know, twice monthly of sim- of the same book or whatever, it's not going to save you anymore in the long run. It's like, <laughs> they're still trying to bleed you dry. Well, this is part of the conversation I was trying to, like, and, and like, I just need to call him and have the verbal conversation because there's just too much shit. There's too much shit to try to text mm-hmm. when it comes to DC and all of the ways, not just comically, but just re- in reality. Oh my god. <laughs> They're just doing things so poorly, and I don't know how they're a functioning company. I mean, I guess, I guess it's getting closer and closer to the point where I can attribute it to being like the Republicans and the Democrats. Like they are just—they're like the Republicans at this point, where they're just stuck in their ways. They're like, no, like, like, yeah, we've got women, but we pretend that they're all in the staff room making us sandwiches. Like, <laughs> what is happening over there? Like, uh, no, just the whole yeah. Uh, after with all this. Like, with all the stuff with, like, Shelley Bond being, you know, uh, let go, uh, the restructuring of Vertigo and everything, you're like, you've let go two women editors who've been essentially responsible for how good Vertigo was. Like, all of the books that people remember being published from Vertigo, including Preacher, which is, has just started. It's I like, see that series. Uh, the, I mean, as someone who actually didn't, I mean, I didn't read a lot of Preacher or whatever. I mean, I've, I've picked it up here and there, but... As someone who's basically gone into it clean, I mean, I like the first episode. It's it feels a little slow, but at the same time, you know, I I I, I like where they're going with it so far. So right, like like we know where the worst could be. Yeah, I mean, it it could turn into Gotham, and we know <laughs> yeah. what that looks like. So when we start seeing the warning signs, we're like, no. No, I have to get out now. <laughs> it's like I've been here before. Invest in you know six to eight episodes. I've been in an abusive relationship before. <laughs> this isn't going to go well. I know the signs. Right. You're like Hawkeye right before a mind control thing starts happening. He's like, nope, <laughs> like, nope, nope. I'm out. No, <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, nip this in the bud now. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I. But the no, New 52 accomplished the, the major one thing I think it set out for, which was to bring new blood into the comic reading community. Like, people who weren't really familiar with the comics, and at this point we're just like, I don't even know where to start. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much shit. And that's the thing, is like, it depends on the person. I mean, if you're one of those people who, like, you need to know the complete history from day one mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah you got a lot of fucking reading ahead of you you're oh, yeah. gonna be there for a while or wikipedia is your friend or wikipedia is your friend that's what i did like the whole like i like, I'd still love to have the opportunity to go back and read blackest night and mm-hmm. brightest day and like that whole series <laughs> and like what 
what screwed me is like initially I was like, oh, I could just buy those comics and I'll be good. And then somebody's like, no, 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 no. Like those are a thing. But then there's like these little offshoot things that are kind of like inside stories that kind of help explain yeah. other little things. And I was like, son of a bitch. Well, and I looked up the whole like catalog list of those. The- and I was like, oh, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm in Blackest Night and I'm, al- like, I'm already like 45 comics in here. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, the, the New 52 didn't do them any favors in that regard either because they were so... Uh, vague about about the timeline because they made this big deal about saying at one point that it was a 10-year timeline, that they had only been operating for that long in terms of superheroes. And then, as as quickly as that was there, they took it away and started saying, like, well, no, everything counts. It's like, well, the, no, it can't. It can't possibly count in the space of time you've given us. Even if you opened it up, none of this makes sense. Right. And it's like every time they tried to backtrack and say that something you know, that had been left out was, you know, was added back in, they did a terrible job of incorporating it in any organic way possible. Like, this has been my my overall frustration and problem with just the, the product that DC's putting out. Never mind the behind-the-scenes bullshit that's been happening over in the Superman books, Eddie Berganza. Um... Because, because we have to. Because it, no, it's I mean, and it's really important because with all the the stuff with Shelley Bond and then with you know you hear about with Karen Berger and everything with them leaving Vertigo and this guy still gets to stay on board and and on the Superman books of all the characters of Superman books and there's basically uh you know this whole like you know we we basically won't let women work in the editorial department of the Superman books or even around the Superman offices, because this guy is a serial harasser. And it's just like, but yeah, let's keep him on board, because he's been doing such a bang-up job already. Like, (laughs) but anyway, I can get to that later. Uh, (laughs) But content-wise, the New 52 didn't start off well, and it just kept getting mired down and mired down. And then when you had, like, uh, and it really was with the Batgirl uh, revamp after uh, Gail Simone's run was done when you had Cameron uh, uh, Cameron Stewart, Brendan Fletcher, and Babs Tarr come in and basically revitalize the character in terms of tone and costume and everything just about it changed. Like, that was the moment when people were like, oh, you mean you can make a fun all ages and... and, and, and unapologetically feminist book and it'll still sell really well and people will think it's really good and popular and and it seems like DC was going through every possible way first of all to bury it and then tried to do like the, the DCU thing which was like the whole lineup of doing more um, LGBTQ friendly and you know women friendly and uh, you know uh, uh, was it people of color friendly all that kind of stuff and they were putting out interesting, you know, product, but then because it wouldn't sell well within the first couple of months, they'd be like, nap, screw it, get rid of it. It's just like, you guys are doing all the wrong things. Like, you don't learn anything from anything. Well, yeah, and this is why, like, I mean, this is why this discussion I, I ended up having with, with Paul was just so, it was so hard because I was just like, like, this is, because <laughs> what I told him, I was just like, I'm just, I'm more and more getting to the point of just, I need a break mm-hmm. away from DC. I need to take a stint and maybe just go enjoy some Marvel. 
like just or or some indie comic series or something. I recommend just, Image. Image is a really good place. Right? Yeah. No. And and I've read Image comics before, and I did. I liked them. They're just these uh, these offshoot stories where, and that's the nice thing is like when you're outside of a major corporation like DC or Marvel, like they have a very like set tone that they tend to fall into. I mean, the nice thing is that is Marvel there. Like this was where the discussion led to with him, where I was just like, I was like, I mean. At least Marvel's trying mm-hmm. to do different things, Same. and <laughs> no, it's not always right. Like it's not always working perfectly. Mm-hmm. I was like, but but they're reaching out. I mean, they're 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 not changing necessarily core characters. Like some they are. They they've made some changes here and there. Like the whole like Iceman change mm-hmm. to him being uh, you know a gay man and everything like, was Captain America. kind of story are you trying to tell you know and if that's if, if that story uh is more a character exploration then you have to make the character more well-rounded right so that it can support being you know a vulnerable a vulnerable character a strong character like at least go through something that makes them as human as you can possibly make them you know unless they're aliens and then it becomes a whole exploration of humanity versus alienness and blah 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 <laughs> like um, just do cool shit with Martian Manhunter. Fuck Superman. Just do cool shit with Martian Manhunter. Uh, I've I've had like this strange like resurgence of love for the Martian Manhunter ever since Supergirl and everything with that. Oh, because like, they wrote him so well. Mm-hmm. Like, like they and 
such a great place. Like, they started in this place where there was a character that we all contrived to be human. Yes. He was human. And we were like, he seems like a straightforward, nice kind. Like, he's got good moral values and he's a good person. Mm -hmm. And then when the big reveal came, it was just like, oh, but he's not a human. But and, and he hasn't been a human this whole time. And the but the, even like the the icing on the cake though is because I mean people who have read the uh, you know Superman comics or at least are aware of it. Like when they said Hank Henshaw, a lot of people made that assumption. Like, like when you first see his eyes glow, which is like what the fourth or fifth episode, something like that. Right. When you first see his eyes glow, you're like Hank Henshaw, glowing eyes, cyborg Superman already. What? <laughs> Um, but then, but yeah, to, to, to flip that reveal and make it, uh, John Jones and Martian Manhunter is like that. I mean, that's a, that's a great like twist. Like that's a, that's a well done twist, you know? Well, and even in the way that, that, that the Martian Manhunter is written as, as far as Hank is written, like the character is written in such a way that even after the reveal, and you find out, you know, his tragic backstory. Mm. Um, Everyone has know, it. <laughs> it. It does just humanize him because, again, like, he, he made this deal and there's so many moments, like, in the series where he attributes to Kara and her sister being really like his children. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they, like, he feels about them in that way. And that, really, he's no different in what he wants than humans are in what they want in family and friendship and mm-hmm. and camaraderie like all of his values are the same and it's just so well done like it, it's it's one of those that was so refreshing because with superman it's always the bullshit of like he's a farm boy raised in kansas but he's secretly an alien mm-hmm. okay well he's always struggling with his alienness because he knows he's an alien and that's what's so nice about the martian manhunter is like yeah he knows he's an alien yeah and he's he's like that. That's just what I am. Like I'm not trying to be human. I'm yeah. not trying to like have everything that humanity has. I understand that I'm different, but we're also the same. I will say that his learning curve with uh, humans is is it would would almost be interesting because you figure Jeremiah Danvers runs into him in what Peru or Bolivia or some somewhere in South America. Uh, he has like a ten minute conversation with him where they bond over the fact that they both have daughters. Right. And and then he, Jeremiah gets shot, and then he takes over. You know, and and Hank gets killed, and every the real Hank gets killed, and then he takes over and's like, "Man, what was that like the first day?" Because <laughs> right. he just kind of shows up and I well, and I guess because he can read minds and everything, he could probably process that stuff a lot quicker. But it it almost would have been interesting, like that first year he tried to be Hank Henshaw, <laughs> like how, like what? Because the whole thing with Jean what is that he also gatherings have been. Like, oh my that's god! That's what I want to know because we they've never established whether or not like Hank just had no family, mm. or if he did have family. <laughs> and even then, you don't think that Jean would really be that. That, that vulgar to go to their place and but simultaneously in the back of your head you have to think like if he just stopped showing up to family gatherings <laughs> they'd start wondering like like there'd be some real concern well maybe he's counting on the idea that hank is such a prick that because uh... <laughs> based on the guy he met you know <laughs> but now that the uh 
What, what I do love, because with all of the Berlanti shows, Berlanti, Guggenheim, Kreisberg shows, and because um, my, my friend Nathan and I are going to do like a whole like roundup, so I don't want to necessarily get too deep in, but I know that you watch them as well, so uh, oh, I don't know how caught up you are on all of them, or if you... I, I am, okay, so in, in pre- preparation, because I was like, oh shit, everybody wants to talk about finales. <laughs> Wife! We must power through. Um, and she just Do you eyes. just go up to Christine and go, wife? No, I don't. I don't. Because that would never fly. Um, and then so, she hit you so hard. Right? I was just like, moreover, it was just like, I... So we're going to podcast about the season finales, and I really need to watch them. And she was like, so that's what we're doing for like the next two days. And I was like, yes, that would be preferable. And she was like, all right. I was like, you're just crawling on your knees like, and you're like my precious love can we please watch all these right so i am up on agents of shield mm. i am up on arrow mm-hmm. and i am up on the flash okay. i have watched all of those finales um i unfortunately well technically lucifer as well oh, wow. because <laughs> technically it is a comic book tv show no it is um so I'm up on that, uh, but yeah, there's uh, still a few other series. God, I still haven't finished out Agent Carter, and mostly because, mostly it's because I'm like, if I if I just don't watch those three episodes, it never ends. Like, <laughs> I can I can live with it; it never ends. Um, I really kind of wish Marvel would actually just do an, a, a Peggy Carter comic, like just like right? p- pick it up. Just you know, it, yeah, it wouldn't I be mean, too absolutely. hard. If Firefly could do it, shit, um, right? Like it's it's always possible because. Because the thing is, is Peggy Carter, it's not that she's not a captivating character, obviously, for fans. Mm-hmm. But there's just not enough fans to keep a TV show going. Um, and that's the thing, like, shows like Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has going for it, is there's enough of, a, of the mainstream folks out there who don't watch comics, but they've seen the Marvel movies and they're familiar with who Coulson was. And so they started watching, and now they're just like, this is a decent series, and they <laughs> just keep watching it. Um, well, according to Chloe Bennett, that's not necessarily the case. So, eh, you know. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so I'm I'm up on 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 three of the major ones okay. as far as uh, their finales. Uh, still haven't watched Second Season of Daredevil. So, uh, <laughs> well, we won't yeah. get into that. Like, I mean, I'm just mostly saying that 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 Berlanti universe of shows. My my general problem with them overall is that their finales have rarely been good. You know, like, it's always... I mean, I think other than The Flash... Their mid-seasons are better than their actual finale. Yeah. Well, like, other than... I think The the Flash first season finale was was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, like with, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was high stakes, mm-hmm. big events. Yes. Like, all kinds of craziness. Yeah. Because it was the whole... Uh, it, was, it was the whole, like, end of the season where... You know, uh, you know, Eddie makes the sacrifice, mm-hmm. and the breaches you know, open up, and, and the breaches open up, and so it's just like, oh my god, shit just got real. What? And then they fucking cut us off, and we're like, what's gonna happen? <laughs> and then the second season started off not terribly; it started off pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, fairly strong foot for the most part, with the whole like introduction to Earth Two and the multiverse, mm-hmm. and so it was just like, oh, okay, so we're just reliving everything. 
before the new 52. Well, just, it opened up the, what I really loved about The Flash, you know, as the second season was was really amping up and everything, was the whole uh, Silver Age thing. You know, they were really embracing what makes The Flash a, a special character in terms of how it interacted with, like, the Silver Age era of telling uh, stories. So, but yeah, with the whole, the zoom angle started off promising, but then it just became the, the reverse flash thing. All over well, the problem is, like for me, the problem was they got to, um, um, what's his name? Um, the director of terrible twist movies. Oh, Shyamalan. Yeah. They got to Shyamalan with it. Mm-hmm. Like that's really how that turned out to me is like, because we get introduced to Jay Garrick. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, we liked Jay Garrick. Yeah. We were like, this is a stand-up guy. Earth 2 Flash, he fits the bill. All right, he's got the suit. The helmet. The helmet. Like, this guy's looking fly. I'm liking him. And we really fell in love with the character. Mm-hmm. And then the character dies, and it's this big moment. We're like, oh, shit. Like, no. And then we're like, but it's actually Zoom. Yeah. And we were like, no! Why? No! That's Because I've read the Wikipedias. I've been on the DC Universe Wikipedias. And, like, at no point were they ever, like, in the comics, Zoom, at one point, was actually disguised as Jay Gary. Like, that never happened. I was like, why? Why yeah. did we do this? Why did we just go with something totally random? I mean, I understand if the writers were trying to make something unique. But it failed so hard. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the season was just like, I just, fuck it. Like, fuck, you took everything. You took my joy. <laughs> you took everything from me. I just, whatever. Well, like, they, get over this. All of these shows have been suffering, and and uh, and, and I do uh, agree with the idea that with them having, like, four shows to keep track of, you know, with Legends and Arrow and Flash and now Supergirl being pulled into all of this, uh, that... I mean, even before they had the four shows, there was still there's still this like storytelling disconnect at some point, and I and I feel like it's because of the twenty three episode season that they have or whatever, because there's no that they have their overall big bad, but the overall big bad doesn't make any impact until specific episodes, usually like somewhere in the beginning, like in the first five, then the mid season. Then again, in, in kind of like the back six, and then at the finale. I mean, or the last yeah. couple of episodes. I mean, it's a pattern you can definitely pick out. I mean, it, and these aren't the only shows that do that. But the problem with it is, and I think that superhero shows are really showing how a 23 to 26 episode season, you know, doesn't, doesn't work from a storytelling standpoint. Like, you can't have that big of an arc and sustain it that whole time, which is why I really feel like they need to go into, like, 12 or 13 Yeah, like, they episodes. need to adopt the Netflix Marvel formula, mm-hmm. which is, you know, as you're saying, a 12, 13 episode, maybe 14 episode series. And, I mean, I'm one of those, like, please just give it to me all at once, and then I can just watch it. Uh, or, <laughs> hell, or hell, just, like, tell to uh, figure out the story you want to tell, and then figure out how many episodes you need to tell it. Don't... Don't bother with this whole, like, okay, we have the standard. Like, no, if you have this arc and you feel like, okay, it's only going to really be able to be 10 episodes, then tell yeah. it in 10 episodes. Like, Well, and that's the thing. It's like, I feel, and, and I mean, the one the one series that really proved that, 
this season was Arrow. Mm-hmm. Like, Arrow proved it so hard. <laughs> because it was one of those where, like, I was I was discussing this with a co-worker today and then with Christine before I got on the cast, mm-hmm. and I was just like, here's the problem. Arrow season one. Arrow season one had its faults. It had its trips mm-hmm. because it was the first season. So they were feeling out where they could go, what they wanted to do, the story. But even then, the season finale was pretty good. It wasn't terrible. Like, like, like it was. Yeah. It was pretty stand up because it was high stakes, right? So mm-hmm. it was the Undertaking and Malcolm Merlin and Tommy died you know, and, and Tommy dies, and so you know it was really good. They had a lot of great elements there. I was like, in season two, they found their stride. Like mm-hmm. they found where things really worked for them as far as like what they wanted out of their series, what the what story they wanted to tell. Um, you know, the fact that they got Manu Bennett to come in and be Deathstroke was phenomenal mm-hmm. and he fit the bill so well he did so great they just they had really good acting they had a good story there were some points where yeah definitely slowed down um the finale was okay mm-hmm. it left us in an interesting position because it was just like oh but we could see deathstroke later yeah um because there was always that chance and then that's never been explored now part of that is due, is unfortunately due to the fact that Manu Bennett found work, yeah. um, <laughs> and he's been recording on the Shannara series. So, um, damn it! Uh, but you know, well, and also they they found that great. That I think the second season was the best use of the flashback and the the present day story. Right, and the problem we're encountering now is, you know, we got to we got to the season with Raish. Mm-hmm. And the season with Rachel Ghoul should have been really amazing mm-hmm. because Raish is a really amazing villain character. Yeah, and the thing is, is he's and, and the thing is, like when we got to mid season for that series, mm-hmm. oh my god! Oh yeah, the duel season was everything we could have wanted. It was this high stakes fight to the death. Ollie dies. Sorry if you haven't watched that season. You should really go watch it. Spoilers for season three. Fuck it. Um, (laughs) Sucks to be you at this point. (laughs) But, you know, it's... And it was was so good. Mm -hmm. And and it left us hanging for, you know, a few weeks until they picked back up. And and that was perfect. And then the rest of the season just... Just blowed ass. Like, it was just bad. Like, there was nothing great about it. It was just like, whatever... I don't care. Oh, he married Talia. Uh, or not Talia, fucking... Nissa. Nissa. Which, that's the, that's the one major thing that, like, I've been left on, where, like, when they initially came to the league, I was like, where's Talia? <laughs> what the hell happened to Talia? And they've only had one episode where, like, she got mentioned, like, his other daughter. And I was like, she's a really prominent figure. She's not just the other daughter. Yeah. Like, she's... Well, they show her in Legends of Tomorrow as a as a child in the the fifties, basically. Yeah. (laughs) So then you gotta wonder what the timeline is on these people. So she's just dead. She's some old lady, or just died, or what? I don't. Whatever. Fuck it. Well, that was the whole thing. They they took the the mystery away from the uh, the Lazarus Pit as well. Like the in in using the character of Rachel Ghoul, which you could have done anything with, really. I mean, but they they went that Dark Knight route again, or Batman Begins route, with the of course the villain wants to destroy Star City because 
reasons. Um, and and then it's like, oh, he's only been Ra's al Ghul for a hun- you know a few hundred years. It's like, wh- why? Like, right. don't make it so tied in with the League of Assassins and everything that you lose the whole mystery behind why the Lazarus Pit is is a cool idea and why Ra's al Ghul is threatening, you know? Yeah, well, and it's one of those where it's like, at this point, why... Like, I think a better turn of events would have been that, A, the mid-season finale should have just been the finale. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, you should have just done that, because that would have been perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, But even more so, like, okay, fine, continue it on. And then there's, like, some final confrontation. He thinks he's killed Raish. And then, as you said, there's the whole mystery of the pool. Because nobody really knows, other than, like, there's this pit, and and, 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 like... It keeps Raish middle-aged um, yeah. <laughs> and fine. Whatever. Well, it actually would have been interesting if, like, you know, Ollie had had you know either killed him or he was like really mortally wounded, and then the League of Assassins or Nissa or Talia shows up or something like that, uh, puts him in another because there's supposed to be a lot of Lazarus pits. He's supposed to have a whole bunch of them set up over the world just in case, you know. Um, and, and maybe Talia shows up and she's very young looking and puts her father into another pit and he comes out and he's like a, a little boy or something like that. Like right. to show that the cycle is starting all over again. Right. Yeah. No, like I, I agree completely. And then of course we get to the current season mm-hmm. and, and this is what like, uh, I said this to Christine before I came into cast. I was like, here's the problem I have is we have, we have the series with Rage. We have the, the whole league of. League of Shadows season. That's right, yeah, they're and, called the League of Shadows. <laughs> yeah, I know. I struggle with it really hard. Because <laughs> I don't want to say League of Shadows. I'm like, that's not what it is. <laughs> um, but, so, we, we have that whole series, and in that series, Damien Dark is mentioned. And so much so, in the capacity of even Rage is like, he does some fucked up shit. Yeah. That I'm, not even I'm okay with. <laughs> and that's saying something from the guy who's like, I orchestrate world events to control the way things happen in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm also um, really set on you marrying my daughter for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that. Like, you have to marry her. Like, you just have to. I love this guy. I love this guy. Come on. <laughs> Even like, though my daughter was in love with your former lover, um, it's, it's really weird and complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so... So we hear about Damien Dark, and it's just like, wow, this guy sounds like just the worst. Mm-hmm. And then we get into this season. Yeah. And number one, he's this blue-eyed, blonde-haired, super Aryan-looking guy that is really like a businessman. Like, that's how he's just portrayed. Is like, he's the most upstanding businessman, and he's very direct, and he knows what he wants, but he has this, like, power that everybody is just terrified of. Yeah. And then we're introduced to this power, these dark arts of his, and it's really anticlimactic, because it's like, like I told Christine, I was like, for all intents and purposes, guy shoots Arrow at him. Mm-hmm. He stops Arrow with his hand. Yes. He turns Arrow with his hand. He throws it back at guy who shot Arrow at him. (laughs) And then he proceeds to do that pretty much any time he meets Ollie, and Ollie shoots an arrow at him. Like, it's this, like, every time you're like, why do you keep doing it? You know the, this is the definition. 
definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Ugh. Why do you keep doing it? And and the thing is, like uh, the the actor who plays Damien Dark, uh, Neil McDonough, is he's an amazing actor. I mean, I've yeah. seen him in so many different things, and he and and the thing is, like the look of him, he has those like really piercing blue eyes that. You know, if they'd utilized him more, he could have been a lot more threatening than he ended up being. Because for all of his plans, like, it just boils down to, once again, like, I'm going to destroy the world for reasons. Uh, It's like, it's the same goddamn plan every time. Well, yeah, and so, so, well, there's that and the fact that he can death touch people. Mm. Like, those are the two major powers we're introduced to by Damien Darkin. And, like, other than that, he has an army in, in, behind him. Yeah. And really felt absolutely no more threatening mm-hmm. than Raish. If anything, a little less threatening It's And Raish. it's the most underwhelming introduction of magic ever. Like, right. Like, like, the best introduction <laughs> of magic we ever had was Constantine. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even, like, a direct introduction to magic. It was, there's these, pa- like, it was like, it was like when the moment the doctor explains time. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we got from Constantine with magic. It's like magic is really unpredictable. There's yeah. good magic, there's dark magic, and then there's this weird in-between that sometimes is really hard to like understand or know what's going to happen. But hey, I just fly by the seat of my fucking pants and everything kind of works out. And then when it doesn't, it kind of screws me up for a while. And... Right. And so it's one of the reasons, like, I've just been, I'm, I'm still waiting. I'm just waiting for the CW to be like, we're, we're going to do Constantine. And just be like, yes! And they're going to be like, it's the same actor. And be like, yes! Yeah, and, no, Matt and, Ryan like, was amazing. The other season's treatments. <laughs> like, don't do that. But that's the thing, like, I mean, for, for all, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they tried to put Constantine into Arrow because, yeah, it sucked how... NBC kind of just re, uh, reneged on the deal and everything. Um, and and so to, to bring Matt Ryan in was great, but it, at the cost of the character in the episode that he was brought into, because everything that happened with Constantine should have been like a two-parter at, at the most. And and if you're going to deal with a villain whose who's primary, you know... Uh, uh, power or you know, weapon is magic. Maybe you should have a magic user on your team for a while. Right. Like so. So case in point, there the description of the season finale hmm. for Arrow hmm. on Hulu oh, is that Oliver must face Damian Dark hmm. and involves an unlikely, uh, like it's like involves an unlikely hero to help him. Something like that. Yeah. Like, that was the description on Hulu. So the whole season, like, the whole episode, I'm like, is John Constantine come back? Oh, my God. Is Constantine, like, that would be amazing. <laughs> and then it just didn't. And I was just like... and the, <laughs> He relied on no one but the same people he always relies on. Right? I mean, have you seen the finale for Oh, Arrow? yeah, no, I saw it. Uh, I watched it last night. So, so, for me, it was just, that's when we watched it, and I was like... This was so anti-fucking-mactic. Like, this was just bad. Oh, like, when he made that speech on top of the cars. Like, I mean, for... And this is another thing. Like, it feels like Jeff Johns' influence happens in these shows to... to <laughs> because everyone states their feelings out loud. Like, it... I love this city! Oh, it bothers me. I love me. it so much. It's like, yes, we we've that. all lost hope. Like, 
why are you all saying it? Because it's, it's just like, and then after he gives that speech on top of the car and goes back into the, the bunker because everybody is within a five minute walk from each other. Um, <laughs> again, geography is not their strong suit either. Uh, and when he pops back in, he's like, I'm going to go out there and face him. Like, we're going to go out too. You inspired us with that speech. Like, that speech was the least inspiring thing all he said. Right, like, I mean, it was great if you were trying to, you know, exact, exactly for what happens in the, in this, in the finale of as far as like, we want to make you the interim mayor. Mm-hmm. That's all it was good for. That's yeah. exactly all it was good for. That's all like, it did. <laughs> like, inspiring people to like stand against a man who has over tens of thousands of souls under his belt for power. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what, that's what disappointed me is like, it was the whole mention briefly of like, oh, well, if your light can outweigh the darkness, you could beat him. But if it doesn't, you'll just make him stronger. <laughs> tens of thousands of souls. That's what's under this guy's belt. And then there's like, maybe a hundred. <laughs> Maybe a hundred of these city people that suddenly show up, and like the light in the hearts in their uh, in their hearts and their minds is enough light to face like to to basically null and void Damien Dark's power. And I was like, "That's bullshit." Because yeah. basically, you're just saying tens of thousands of lives are only worth like a few hundred people. Well, like, and it's like the the second or third time Oliver has relied on citizens helping him fight a paramilitary group in order right? to like, win. The guy who was he himself like had to survive the island. The island was the harshest one of the harshest experience of his life that formed him into what he became when he came to back back home in season 1. Mhm. And then he trained under the League of <laughs> the League of Shadows. <laughs> For, like, I don't know, most of a season. Yeah, like, a couple of months. <laughs> right? But, like, well, and that was just it. It's like, so there's those, that piece of information on that character. There's the knowledge of Damien Dark used to be one of these guys. Like, one of these League of Shadows motherfuckers. Like, he's supposed to be an elite fucking soldier of sorts. Yeah. And just the, the fight breaks down into... We're going to trade blows. Like, this is a Rocky Balboa Rocky moment where I'm going to hit you, and then you're going to hit me, and then I'm going to hit you harder, and you're going to hit me harder. And, like, we're just going to go back. Like, that, it was the worst fight scene. I've had better fights in my bullshit historical reenactment crap (laughs) than that. Like, I was like, this is terrible. Like, nothing about this is good choreography. It's not even... It doesn't even live up to what the hype of the moment is supposed to be. It's so just, eh. Well, and and, and it's because they're relying on this idea, you know, the whole, I, I'm really tired of this whole thing where it's like, we've got to hope more. We've got to hope, you know, we've got to have hope and blah, 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 blah. It's like, that's not something you can uh, reasonably show on on something like this. Like, even in, like, Superman versus Batman, this whole idea of, like, hope and, you know, as being right. symbolic and everything. It's just, like, those are things you can't accurately measure in terms of one episode and getting everyone on board enough for your finale to make sense. Like, if, right. th- if that's going to be a measurable thing, you have to be setting that up, like, way earlier. <laughs> right, like, like what is what is the least amount of hope? Mm-hmm. So we know what the most amount of hope needed is. Like, yeah. Like if you weighed a hundred pounds of feathers versus a hundred pounds of hope, 
What does that equal? Like, well, and- oh my god, it was just, yeah, no, and, and the one thing I'll say for, like, the, all the season enders, like, for me, mm-hmm. The Flash was probably the best, as far as, like, not, not, not how it ends as far as him and the big bad, like, yeah. the fight between The Flash and Zoom, which obviously happens, like, there, there's no way that's not the season ender. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the fight happened, and that, I was just like... Eh, okay, sure. Well, sure. It, it also brings up a few questions about how those time race work and, you know, right, whatever. Right? I was just like, so, they just didn't... Well, I mean, he quite literally says, like, I just kind of hoped mm-hmm. that they saw what he did worse than what I did and just came after it. But, but it's also like, once you introduce that idea, then why didn't they go after Eobard when he started mucking things up? Right. Right. So it's well, like, you can't just introduce this element and then not have it follow through. Like, it would have like, been interesting if they had brought that up in the first season and maybe he's trying to dodge them, yeah, you know? Because all they've established now is that certain certain people apparently are exceptions to the rule. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but the way the season ended left so many open-ended questions as mm-hmm. far as, like, well, how is that going to affect relationship with Iris? How is that going to affect his relationship with Joe? Mm-hmm. How is that going to... Wait, what the fuck did he just do? He could have changed so many things! Well, and it just... It's... Oh, it's it's an interesting way to end it, but at the same time, it's just so... You just want to yell at Barry the whole time. You're just like, what is your fucking problem? <laughs> Right, you self-centered, selfish sack of shit. This is how we got the new 52, Barry. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I, and I saw somewhere that, you know, people were speculating, like, this is how they're going to try to work Supergirl into the, the same universe. Kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it will be interesting to see if they're going to apply what Barry did to the other shows, because how, you know, if they're all connected, because we know they are. That would... It would, on some level, affect mm-hmm. those other universes. Yeah, it it would have to affect them in some. I mean, if it's it's if it's a way for them to get like Laurel back in, um, or oh, I hope not. God, I hope not. I you know I don't know because they have Black not. Siren locked up, or maybe they don't now. Um, I'm so tired of Katie Cassidy. I'm just, <laughs> I'm sorry, Katie. I just you're not you're not the Black Canary for me. You're not. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, I I was I was getting on board with her for the longest time, and then what I really wanted was for Ted Grant to stick around for Wildcat to be there. And I know that yes. the the actor got picked up for some other show or whatever, but it's just like, you know what? Either recast it, or uh, you know, I know that he has like a he probably has like a kid or something out there that you could bring in. Like that street level hero stuff is very much in the same vein of of what uh, the Green Arrow became in the seventies, you know. Uh, you know, the street-level justice kind of stuff, and Ted Grant would have been a great person to have around because you have him training Black Canary. You could have, you know, with Oliver losing his money in, around that same time, he could have started working with Ted, you know? Like, he's he's working at the gym, he's helping kids out, he's on the street level, and then having to deal with that kind of stuff instead of these, like, the world is gonna blow up, and, you know, because reasons! <laughs> like, but... Uh, right. it, and then it just started becoming, uh, and I hate this, where everyone's story is somehow tied into the main character, where 
you know, we can't have a good Black Canary story unless it's connected to Green Arrow. Yes, well, and this comes back to that whole, like, shitty writing where we're, we're writing females are depend like, the female characters are dependent upon the male character in mm-hmm. some capacity. Yeah. And, like, that, it's just, like, they don't need to be. Mm-hmm. Like, the one character that I feel like they've done a fairly good job of not necessarily doing that with, I mean, they had their moments, was, was, was Sarah. Mm-hmm. Like, Sarah was the best version of the Black Canary we could have asked for. Yeah. Um, and, and it was because they established she didn't fucking need Oliver. No. She had done her own thing with the League of Shadows. She had done her own training. She was her own person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she had her stint and, uh, you know, the fling that got her where she was with <laughs> with Ollie. <laughs> and then she rekindled that fling with Ollie. But at the end of the day, like, her heart still truly just was with Nessa. And that was really, or, or Nissa, and mm-hmm. that was really, really clear all of the time we were, we, we had her. And that's what, that's what made her great, being a part of Team Arrow, was she didn't have ties or obligations to Ollie. It was just like, you decide to do something that I'm not down with, I've got other shit I could go do very easily. Like, yeah. I could just go join the league again. I don't, whatever. When, fuck she, it. when she had her, her, uh, her little ward of her own sin and everything. and Right. Like, there were so many of these really wonderful, nice little things, and then they just fucked it all up. Yeah, I mean, um, they could have continued that again. Like, if you have Sarah die or leave or whatever, like, Sin then go, you know, uh, starts helping Laurel train to be the, you know, there, there were, they set up these characters, and then it's just like, I don't know what happens. They don't think that they're going to need them. And then it's like, but no, you have potential here. Like these, right. these are characters that are still part of the universe. Well, and so, well, and so, I mean, for me, so flash had the most interesting ender as far as like all of the open ended possibilities. Yeah. Potential simultaneous frustration. Yeah. It's all going <laughs> to depend on how the writers decide to write season three. Yeah. Those, the, um, that first episode of season three had better, better come out swinging right (laughs) um for me the second best series ender was agents of shield Mm -hmm. and and the problem with agents of shield as a series was it it was really kind of lackluster most of the season like i mean it had it had really strong moments and then it had other moments that were just like eh, (laughs) whatever um and what really brought it back was the last like two to three episodes of the series um, where like suddenly characters just did things that were part of their original archetype. It like, it just made sense because one of the biggest problems I think I've had with agents of shield is when Coulson was first director, when he was new to the job, Mm -hmm. he was still Coulson. He was still enjoyable. He was still, like, he had this, like, interesting um, sense of humor to the situation, just like Agent Coulson had had. And it was great. And then as it evolved, the problem with him being director was we really liked Agent Coulson in that capacity. We liked him as what we saw him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. And, And so them maintaining that in season one was fantastic. It was like, yes, this is Coulson. This is who I know. And then it turned more and more into, because he was the director, he had to make the hard choices. So less of that, like, sarcasm about situations 
came across, mm-hmm. and it was far and few between, if ever. And we got into this really muddled area about his character, and that for me was really hard. Like, I, it's one of the reasons I was just like, eh, whatever, with <laughs> Agents of Shield, because I was just like, it's it's not Coulson. It's not the Coulson I want. Like, it's still Coulson. Mm-hmm. He has moments, but eh. Um, and then the end of the season was so perfect. Like, it just brought Coulson back as both an agent and just that humor. Like, I mean, even his whole his whole speech when he's talking to Hive was so perfect because there's just this singular moment where he's just like, and I've also always wanted to do this. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. <laughs> and it was just so perfect. Like, I was just like, that. that's everything I've wanted. That's Coulson. That's the whole character that we've all wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they just brought it back in such a delightful way. Um, the fact that the series ends in such a way where, because um, you, have you seen the season ender for this? No, but I've not been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. all that much, so it doesn't really matter to me. So the season ender brings it back to, he's not director anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now back to being just an active agent. And I was just like, so we get Agent Coulson again. Yeah, I'm so okay with it. <laughs> um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see where they take the series. Uh, like I said, it, this season for all of us has been just so eh, whatever. <laughs> Mostly because we were all so happy in the moment that we finally got rid of <laughs> in our minds, and the instant it happened, we were like, "We're done with him." We're done with the asshole from Hydra. Mm. Like, we're done uh, with uh, Ward. Ward. Yeah. Just done. Yes! No more Ward! Like, you don't come back from this, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> right? And then, and then like, body possession. And I was like, God damn it, Jim! <laughs> like, I don't want Ward anymore. The thing is, and, and the one thing I will give to the actor, is it did add to showing his range to mm-hmm. be able to go from playing Ward while looking like Ward, but not being Ward. Yeah. That, that was, was one of the, the things that has interested me about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., even as I've not been watching it, but, you know, I, I read updates and, and all that kind of stuff. I try to keep up on, on a lot of that stuff, but knowing that Brett Dalton, the the actor, has has been, you know, he's stuck around. Like, they obviously like him, but they didn't know what to do with Ward so much. And so they kept finding ways to change the character and that he would have to change his entire style of acting to a certain degree. So it's like, good on you for, for having that skill to be, to go from cookie cutter Agent Ward to Hydra Agent Ward to, you know, Hive Agent Ward. You know? Right. right. So, I mean, it's, it's impressive when you think about it, like, for him. So. Yeah. Well, and as we kind of so to a lesser degree discussed was, uh, I mean, we, we covered the shittiness of the episode, which which was the finale of Arrow. And, and it was like the whole fight, what should have been this big epic event just sucked. Like it was just like, whatever. I feel like the season ended well Mm -hmm. to a degree. And the fact that so many of these characters have just walked away at this point. Like, yeah, Diggle walks walks away like I need time and I need to figure out my own shit. And which means he has to go back into the military. <laughs> I'll go murder. Like I know I'm just like this is gonna suck out my soul and I can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, all right, good on you. <laughs> um, you know, and the, really the only the it, it, we come back to the 
original two. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a it's a good way to start fresh. I'll be interested to see how they write the next season. Obviously, the writers know. I mean, they've already said like we're gonna we're gonna make a very stripped down version compared to the last like two three seasons. Like we're gonna strip this down, get back to bare bones, and really like flesh out again what we were going for with the series. So we're back to Felicity and Oliver mm-hmm. um, as Team Arrow, and I'm okay with that. What I won't be okay with is if we're going to continue the off-again, on-again uh, relationship bullshit yeah. between these characters. Like, like my wife has said, make a fucking choice. Mm-hmm. Either they're together or they're not. Either one's fine, but just make a choice. And also, Oliver can't stay in doom and gloom forever. <laughs> it's getting to a point that it's just depressing to watch, because... It's the same story all the time. Like, same hat, just the same hat. It's like, should I kill? Should I not kill? Am I full of darkness or light? Oh, to be me, how will I survive? Oh. Uh, So much of me is like, let's just get back to, like, where you, like, murder half of the people, Mm -hmm. and then the other half, you just, you know, blow out their kneecaps or something. Like, let's, like, come on. Like, whatever. Maybe get some more trick arrows or something like that. Like, come on. You managed to work the boxing glove in. Come on. Well, yeah. I mean, get back to the core of what the character is. And, I mean, they've gotten so far off from that. I mean, really, I mean, we've we've talked about it. We've said it a few times. We basically have the Batman version of Dark Arrow. Dark Arrow. Dark Arrow. (laughs) Um, Because he is. He's just this, like, brooding forever, like, my life is shit. Mm-hmm. character and the thing is, is like that's Batman but we're okay with that being Batman because Batman has a way more tragic story than you ever had yeah he lost his parents when he was a child and it made him a sociopath and like we're okay with that but he's a sociopath who doesn't kill and we're still okay with that and we understand that he's dark and brooding and we're okay with that yeah he still manages to go through all that without having constant conversations about how he's feeling right now Right, exactly. Like, like if Batman's sharing his feelings, it's because something's wrong with Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's something going on with him. Or he's having an extensive talk with Alfred or Dick Grayson. Like, that's usually the only time that happens. Exactly. Like, not like, hey, hey, Robin. Other Robin. No other Robin. Other Robin. No other Robin. Other other Robin. No, on your left Robin. God damn it. How many Robins are there? want to share my feelings with you like i would love to see a moment where where <laughs> bruce is like damien my son i want to share my feelings because i think damien would just punch him in the face <laughs> like, you are weak father <laughs> <laughs> i will take the mantle of the bat now father <laughs> right oh my god like and that's the thing is like for as much as like i know a fair amount of people who are like i don't like damien i really don't oh, like i him. love damien so much i, I love damien like especially with the way that uh, animated universes brought him about. Like, I'm like, I fucking love this character. Like, I don't know who's doing the voice acting, but it's everything I could want. No, you should, um, I don't know if you've read the Grant Morrison run on Batman and Robin, when, uh, Damien is Robin and Dick Grayson is Batman. But it is totally worth your time, because it's 
the real it's like the best shakeup in terms of that dynamic in in decades because you have Dick Grayson who's the easygoing, you know, happy-go-lucky kind of he's he's the more well-adjusted superhero. Uh and so he has to like try not smiling while he's, you know, having fun being Batman basically. And then you've got murderous homicidal uh, Robin. So <laughs> They are like the best. It's so well, it's good. Like even oh, which bad blood? It's in it's in bad blood the animated movie mm. where there's this whole moment where Batman is gone, like he's missing. Yeah, and that's the whole premise of the of this movie, uh, which was interesting because I was just like, ah, oh, they've never done this. Well, they're basically. I, I can tell you now they were, they were trying to adapt elements of Batman and Robin that that run into it because they've skipped over a lot of shit. Right? I mean, they've skipped so much, so... Yeah, well, I don't feel like they get a choice. Like, yeah. I feel like they're just kind of, like, eh, I have to. It's like, I you don't. gotta wonder, like, does, do Jason and Tim even exist in this version of the universe? <laughs> well, and the fact that, so, it's, it's this moment where Grayson is taken up the cow because he's told Alfred, like, the city, like, Nobody can find out that Batman's gone. Like, mm-hmm. nobody can know that. So, I will don the cowl. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, takes over as Batman on his temporary basis. And, like, Damien gets his notification, like, something's horribly wrong here. And so, he, like, shows up. And there's a moment where it's after they've, like, beat the bad guys. And he's, he's trying, like, like, Dick's trying to sound like Batman. <laughs> and Damien's just like, by the way. You sound nothing like him. You're an idiot. <laughs> I was just like, oh, oh, that I could, if you guys made just an animated series of Damien and Grayson, mm-hmm. like I'd watch it every day of my life. No, like, it's it's the best dynamic. Like, I mean, if you have yeah, if you have like uber serious Batman and then fun loving Robin and Dick and Bruce, then when you get to Dick and Damien, it's I love that reversal of brooding Robin and, you know, much happy go much happier uh Batman. Well, especially over the fact that they they've established very they they established early on even in the animated movies that like Damien and Grayson aren't friends Mm -hmm. they tolerate each other exactly that's all of the capacity they have and it's only because like grayson's just like i think there's even a moment where damien's just like you're like the adopted son but i'm the real son and it's just like wow and there's the biggest a-hole ever oh my god and they're so you're like fucking nine <laughs> <laughs> and they're so use it i mean and and that's the interesting thing because for them not having tim drake and they're they're using a lot of stuff about that dynamic between tim and damien because tim was officially adopted at one point um whereas dick was dick was never like officially adopted but he was no, just he was always just the ward yeah so, because after the events of, uh, what is it, Identity Crisis, because, you know, Brad Meltzer had to just go and fuck it all up, um, you know, that big old rape story that didn't need to happen, um, because, uh, what was it, in that article, The Case Against Dan DiDio, he suggested that, um, we need a rape. Like, that was his suggestion. Uh. That's his overall contribution to Identity Crisis. Rape. Uh. And if, if people haven't actually read that article, the the case against Dan DiDio is uh, really, like, worth your time because it kind of points out that, you know what, he really shouldn't be in charge of DC Comics anymore. He shouldn't be in charge of DC Comics. He shouldn't be in charge of his own life. Yeah. Like, really. 
at the end of the day, somebody should take care of this guy. Like, just put him in a hole. I'm not saying, like, end him, but, like, put him in a hole where he can't hurt anybody but himself. Yeah. No, but it's, uh, but yeah, uh, oh, that article just got me so mad about it. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> but, because it's like, when you know all these things, like, separately, it's one thing, and you, you find out about them piecemeal. When you read them all almost in, like, a weird chronological order of all the things that he's done in the course of his time at DC Comics, you're just like, my God, how the hell is this guy still in charge? Like, yeah. like how? Um, but then, then when you think about it, you're like, no, with the culture that they've developed, it makes all the sense that he's still there and in charge of it. <laughs> it's like, but what? Okay, not whatever, but mo- moving along to what my original point was. Uh, the Yeah, with Identity Crisis, Tim Drake's father, who was still alive, his mom had been dead, um, he gets killed by Captain Boomerang and a series of things and events and whatever. Um, and so in order for Tim to remain with Bruce, uh, he couldn't stay as his ward. He had to be officially adopted. Uh-huh. So, and then you know, a few years down the line, then they have Damien come in and then his whole thing with, he he did not like Tim at all. And they always had that kind of begrudgingly like, okay, you're here, I'm here, whatever relationship. His whole thing with Tim was always goading him about the fact that he wasn't Bruce's real son and that he'd never be (laughs) as good because the, the mantle of the bat was like a a hereditary thing that had to be passed down. Well, like, so I just watched, um, Justice League versus the Teen Titans. Oh, how was it? It's good. Uh-huh. It's really good. It wasn't exactly, like, it wasn't at all what the title makes you expect. Like, mm-hmm. the title made me expect, because it's established the premise, uh, very much kind of, uh, the, the whole, part, part of what I've been seeing a little bit, uh, because I started watching, um, Young Justice. Oh, I love Young Justice. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. Like, I don't watch it, like, fervently, but, like, here and there when I'm like, God, you know, I don't feel like a movie. I don't feel like watching a TV show that I've been watching. Like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to watch some Young Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and it it's kind of the whole, like, the whole of what that show has established in the beginning of season one, where, like, they want to be their own, like, superhero group. But they really don't like the fact that they're kind of being monitored and babysat, so to speak. By oh, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all of that is culminated in Damian Wayne <laughs> in, in Justice League versus the Teen Titans. Because he's the one who's just like, I like the whole, because like, again, I just love the character and the fact that like there's this whole moment where the Justice League's fighting a bunch of different villains all at once in the city. And so Damien's been put on detail by Bruce to make sure innocents are out of harm's way. Mm -hmm. Like, crowd control, make sure that they are away from the danger. And it's, the scene is Damien's just sitting, like, he's standing on top of a building. And you see these people, like, running, and they're running towards the danger. And all he does is he takes a fucking batarang, and it's an exploding one. So he just chucks it at their feet, and it blows up. And, he, and they're like, huh! And they look up and they see him, and he's just like, thumbs the other way. He's just like, like, go that way. And like, Bruce is like, how are things going? And he's just like, these people are stupid. Mm. <laughs> and so you're like, alright. And so Bruce determines, he's just like, you need to learn how to, like, because Damien basically goes off script. Like, he decides, like, fuck this. I'm gonna deal with the problem. 
because you won't do what's necessary to deal with the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he does. And so he deals with it, and they're like, no, this is not how a team works together. You need to learn how to work with a team. And so Batman basically is punishment. is like, you're grounded to the Teen Titans. You're going to learn how to work with the team. <laughs> and Damien's, Damien's just like, like, he just has no love for it whatsoever. Like, his first introduction into the group is he shows up, and he's like, whatever. And then he, like, after he meets the team, he's just like, I don't care about you people. I work better on my own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he, like, walks off. And then later he's practicing on his own, like in the training simulator, and everybody else is like waiting for their turn. They're like, come on, dude, like we, we need to train too. And he's just like, <laughs> he's just like, why do you need to train? I'm better than all of you. And so, he's like, and so Blue Beetle just loses his shit. He's just like, I can't take this guy anymore. And he ends up blasting Damian Wayne in the face. Oh like, my God. Maybe he pushes it too far. And this is before Blue Beetle has any, like, he doesn't have complete control over, like, this symbiotic... Over the scarab. Uh, scarab, or whatever. Like, so he doesn't have total control. He's still learning how to, like, use his powers. <laughs> Damien pushes it too far and just gets lasered in the face. <laughs> Laser face! <laughs> right? And, like, he almost dies from it. And then, like, when he wakes up, like, it's because, um, what's her name? Um... Dark Sorceress. Oh, Raven? Raven, yes. Raven saves his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, so, and, and so there's this just interesting dynamic of watching Damien learn how to work with a team. <laughs> and it's just the funniest thing, because Starscream's there. Starscream? Uh, not Starscream, sorry. Uh, Starfire? Starfire. Starscream. Um, sorry, Starscream. <laughs> that would have actually been franchise. really amazing. So the wrong franchise. <laughs> Starscream and Dick Grayson. <laughs> They're in a relationship, <laughs> Nightwing and Starscream. Right, so, so Starfire, she's there as, like... Nightscream! Uh, right, as the as an older, like, because uh, obviously she was original Teen Titans, so she's, like, the older mentor for all of these younger Teen Titans to, like, kind of guide them and teach them how to be a team and mm-hmm. how to work with other heroes. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and so, like, he just, like, like he breaks into her room to like access her computer and find out all of the information on like everybody there. And I was like, he's so Bruce Wayne's son. Like, it's so (laughs) obvious. So like, it's, it's just a, it's, it's such a funny episode to me. Um, just watching, uh, how he interacts with all these other characters, because again, like he's, he's been conditioned to be this warrior who, doesn't need other people and shows no mercy and it, it, it again speaking to that we that funny dynamic of like the flip switch to like how he interacts with Grayson is just it's funny to see that switch with about five other people who are completely the opposite of him no it's 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 I think what makes Damien such a great character is just how much of a fuck he does not give <laughs> about everything like he's He's the epitome of the surly teenager, only he's, like, 11, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. So, so good. And, and it's Although, always I impressive. I just found out who the voice actor is, and it is legitimately a kid. Yeah. Stuart Allen. <laughs> he was born in 1999. He's literally, like, 16 years old. Oh, thanks for making us feel old now, right? <laughs> right. But you know what, Stuart? 
I love what you're doing with this character in the series. You're doing great. You're doing oh great my work. God, he's so good. Do so they still good. have uh, Bruce Greenwood playing Batman? Or is it, no, is it Jason O'Mara? Uh, I think. Because it was Bruce Greenwood for the longest time, and I really liked him as a, as a Batman voice. I think he was probably one of the best after Kevin Conroy in terms of movie casting. Or animated yeah, casting. Um, I mean, I've been really sad since uh, Kevin Conroy's basically kind of gone retirement mode mm. uh, from Batman. That made me kind of sad. Well, he's but, been doing it for over like twenty years, I think. The, I don't, I and, don't and especially when his primary uh, uh, method of work comes from this one thing he has. <laughs> so. Right, right. So let's see here: Justice League action. 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 Oh, apparently that's a new series. Oh, I, yeah, I heard something about there was like a new Justice League show actually being... And that's Kevin Conroy, yeah, Justice League action. Oh. Kevin Conroy is so back he's... to doing the voice of Batman. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Kevin Conroy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, voiceover gods. <laughs> uh, Troy Baker did a stint where he's done the voice of Batman a couple of times. Um, let's see here. I'm looking for it. Uh, Young Justice, yeah, Bruce Greenwood did all of Young Justice, and I think he's done, I want to say he's probably done a few of the the newer movies, maybe. I know he did, um, he did uh, Red Hood, which also had Jensen Ackles playing uh, Jason Todd, uh, and Neil Patrick Harris as Nightwing, so, right? PH. In PH, which I thought was really good casting, because he has that that voice where you're like, yeah, I could totally see that being Dick Grayson's voice. Like the, I don't know, just the, the lightness to it. Well, it's really funny looking at, cause like I found a site, it's behind the voice mm-hmm. And so it shows like everybody who's played the voice of Batman. And it's really funny cause you hit a stint where it's like justice league unlimited justice league, static shock, Batman beyond Batman <laughs> adventures, the animated series. And it's all Kevin Conrad. Of course. So you're like, Yep, he kind of had a stint from the mid '90s to pretty much uh, to now, thousand, <laughs> where he was just Batman. I don't, I don't think he's ever really stopped since he. I mean, it's like, yeah, he hasn't done all of the movies, but my favorite of the animated movies is still um, Gotham Knight, uh, the the one where they do the different uh, anime directors and uh, the little kind of loosely connected stories that are all written by different writers who who are mostly all well-known for writing Batman stuff. And then uh, all these anime directors to get, like, these different versions of the same character. And I love that movie a lot. It doesn't seem to make it on the radar of a lot of other people, but it's one of my favorite ones. I had no idea that in animated shows, Michael Ironside was the voice of Batman in the 80s. He was? He was. <laughs> I, I had no idea, but now I'm like I. I kind of want to go find <laughs> those episodes. I know he was the voice of Darkseid in the Superman animated right? series, and uh, I, I think I remember when Diedrich Bader did the voice of Batman. Oh, I loved that one. Brave and that and the Bold was really good. So much because <laughs> I was like, I know that voice. <laughs> I know that voice from whose line is it anyway? Why? Why is he Batman? Like Oswald. What? <laughs> no, I, I actually really enjoyed Diedrich Bader as uh, as Batman. Um, I don't know if you ever listened to Fat Man on Batman. Yes, on when, occasion, yes. When uh, Diedrich Bader, when it was still kind of a podcast, I don't think it's actually a podcast anymore, it's now just like a web show. 
Uh, but Diedrich Bader was on there, and I think it's just one episode, or it could have been two, but he starts getting really emotional when he starts talking about, especially the last episode and the uh, speech he kind of gives towards the end, because I feel like that show doesn't get enough credit. Like, it's really Silver Agey, but it's still... Like, it, it still goes through these really, like, kind of dark episodes where what I love is, um, because they didn't show Bruce Wayne for the longest time. It was just Batman, you know? And then there was an episode where they actually have uh, Batman is uh, taken into the past by the Phantom Stranger and the Spectre. And what, I think it's uh, Phantom Stranger is played by Kevin Conroy and the Spectre is played by Mark Hamill, I believe. And... So they they take him back and they show him Joe Chill. And they like he's the guy who killed your parents and then they take him to his to Joe Chill's like you know place at a retirement home or the hospital or something like that. And they're like here you go. Here he is. You can get your vengeance. This is what you've always wanted. And it's the first time you ever see uh Batman pull the cowl off and show that he is Bruce Wayne. And uh he makes that decision to not kill Joe Chill. And then it's, but it's, it's so powerful and it comes from the show that's, was, de- you know, deemed really corny by a lot of people, but it's like, they did some amazing stuff on that show. And I, I feel like a lot more people need to give it credit. Well, and a lot of the, a lot of the movies, uh, animated series right now has been, uh, Jason O'Mara. Yeah. Jason O'Mara. That's right. Uh, yeah. He, I think he took over when they started doing the more new 52 oriented ones i think like with yeah. justice league war which ugh, ugh. yeah uh he's done league versus titans uh bad blood batman and robin mm-hmm. throne of atlantis son of batman mm-hmm. and yeah justice league war yeah. and war was like the first introduction and man i was just not enthralled with that with that particular like animated I was just like, eh. The only stuff I even remotely liked was a lot of Green Lantern's lines, and only because he just sounds like a raging asshole no matter what. Because I hate that, I I mean, not hate, hate is too strong. Uh, I just, I really dislike the the story from which they'd adapted that, because it, again, that's another Jeff Johns, you know, joint. So, and it really boils down to when Batman reveals himself to, uh, reveals his identity to Hal Jordan and makes some weird football analogy or baseball analogy or whatever. Right. And he's just like, we're the normal ones, blah, 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 blah. And he, he unmasks himself and it's like, Bruce Wayne wouldn't do that. Bruce Wayne would never do that. It's like, he, he only does it to people he really trusts. And even right. then, it takes and he a lot. he done enough to be, like, that, like. Him and Hal haven't had enough of a relationship for him to be that trusting. They've known each other for five minutes. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it isn't, I mean, yeah, it's cool that Batman, like, uh, stole the ring off of Hal Jordan's finger. But again, that's the, that, that boils, that goes back to Frank Miller, I feel like. I feel like that's Johns's Frank Miller moment. Because it's trying to make Batman look really cool at the expense of Hal Jordan. Which... If that's how you have to make Batman look cool is to to make him do something like that to another hero, I feel like you're you're not emphasizing what's important about the Justice League. I mean, don't get it twisted. That scene's still funny as shit. Oh yeah. But exactly. I mean, like Batman has very it, I mean, this comes back to God when we talked about mm, Batman versus Superman. What was that? Um, <laughs> where there's certain 
core concepts of these characters. People know, people love. If you have, as you just said, I mean, if you have to force something mm-hmm. to try to convince your audience that Batman's the shit, because here's the thing: no matter what movie anybody watches him in, doesn't matter what animated movie, what real live action movie they watch him in, everybody knows why Batman's the shit. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do something stupid, yeah, to make Batman seem cool. You Bat- don't need to do that. Batman's like, Batman's just cool for the sake of being Batman. Exactly, Even Adam no. West Batman is cool for the sake of being Batman. All Batman has to do is show up in a room. Like, you you look one way, he's not there. You look back, he's there again. Like, that's all you need. Like, Batman... Just that moment, it's just like, he is the knight. Exactly. that's how we got there. Batman gets a free pass on introductions. Like, you don't need to do a lot with him to make him look awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, where they've obviously picked up in the animated shows so far, as far as, like, making them interesting with him, Batman mm. was seriously just in Son of Batman where they introduced fucking Damien. Yeah. And I was just like, I go, I don't, you know what? I will forgive that this is not Kevin Conroy. <laughs> I will forgive this because of who is doing the voice of Damien, <laughs> of Damien Wayne. I don't care. He's amazing. I really hope that one day they do a compilation of all like the best stuff with Damien because I really feel like that would be worth picking up. Like right? he, he hasn't been around for seventy five years, but within the the span of like less than a decade, I want to say, yeah, way less than a decade, he's he's become a very like prominent character in the Bat family, and for good reason. I mean, he's just he seems like some writers have a lot of fun with him. I know um, Tomasi did uh, a really good job with him in Batman and Robin, and then when they killed him, it was just, ugh, fucking hated that. Uh, surprising, though, like, Scott Snyder wasn't a big... He, he liked the character, but he felt he wasn't a good... He wasn't a good fit to write him, which was interesting to me, that he was so focused on Batman and those villains, and then some aspects of the family, but when you have a character like Damien, who, who seems like just a writer's dream, you know, in terms of having a foil... For Batman, uh, he he seemed really uh, really good with just letting uh, Peter J. Tomasi take over and, and handle him. So it was it was interesting how he kind of passed that off. Right. Yeah. But, um. Actually, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh. You you'd posted a video, I think, that Paul sent you something about some fan theory about Batman versus Superman. Uh, I didn't get to see it, so could you tell me what happens in it and why I should be upset? <laughs> So, so the fan theory that this guy came up with was talking about the whole premise of why there's there's the very specific scene of when Superman says, Martha. And so, and I said that way more clearly than he did. Martha. So, <laughs> so the fan theory behind this is that it was all a psychological manipulation because the way Superman is represented in the comics at this very point in time is that there's a lot of background stuff Superman does mm-hmm. um, in terms of like before the big, you know, the lead up to the big fight or whatever the case. Like he kind of does his homework, um, he prepares himself for how he is going to handle the situation, and so there's a certain degree of manipulation he tends to use uh, to to get to his. Um, um, his enemy or whoever he's fighting. Mm-hmm. So the whole theory is is ultimately that 
from the one little moment that he heard Bruce Wayne's voice over the comm when he was with Alfred at the party that he deduced that there's something more about this guy and he started doing a bunch of research as a journalist to mm-hmm. look into Bruce Wayne and more about Bruce Wayne and doing this research led him to the revelation that this was Bruce Wayne this is how he knew he was Bruce and used his name by you know when he first you know speaks to Batman yeah um, and addresses him as Bruce um, and that uh, in digging into his information, he found out about Bruce's parents' death and that his mother's name was Martha and all this, mm-hmm. and that he uh, initially, from the get-go, tries to appeal to Bruce, but because things go sideways, um, that doesn't happen. And so in that moment, he says, you know, her name is Martha uh, because it's all a mental manipulation to save Batman in this like weird way from his own demons. <laughs> and that's and I was just like, oh my god. Wow, that is that is asking the movie to do a lot that it does not do. Well, exactly. <laughs> and, that, and that's ultimately the discussion I had with Paul where I was like, here's the problem. Ultimately the problem is is that is all assumed. Mm-hmm. There is not a damn thing that happens on screen that shows us any kind of evidence mm-hmm. that Clark had done that. There's nothing. There's zero zip zilch. Yeah. So and there, it's all bullshit. And and there's nothing that says that directors and writers can't allow a certain amount of assumption to happen between the audience and the writing and, and the characters and everything. But but everything you just described, that's basically putting all of it on the audience to just make a lot of assumptions right. well, and the thing with is, no like, backup. And, and the argument was like, this is how they do it in the comics. And I was like, Yes, that's fair. I will give you that. But here's the problem. When we read a comic book, when we read a pain, there's Panel. this thing where there's dialogue blo- like dialogue bubbles for the character when they say something to another character or just to themselves. <laughs> and then there's these things called thought bubbles where it's what's going on in the character's head. Mm-hmm. And those explain those background things like... It would be a moment where, yes, Clark went, you know, in the moment before he approaches, Bruce goes, I know what I'm walking into, but I've done my research and I looked into him. I know that this is Bruce Wayne. I'm going to appeal to his humanity as Bruce rather than address him as Batman. Mm -hmm. That would happen in a comic. Yes. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Or you would have seen him actually doing the research. Right. Or or like a sudden, like, cut to flashback. (laughs) But we don't. But we, the audience, and as I told him, I was like, this is why this is a shitty movie, is because that, sure, if you're going with the adoption of, like, that's what happens in the comic, great, but you can't expect a broad-spectrum audience that this movie is supposed to sell as a blockbuster to, Mm -hmm. and not have any of those elements. Like, you have to spoon-feed people so much. That's why the Marvel, the MCU is doing amazing, is because it spoon feeds us, but it spoon feeds us just enough. It doesn't make us sit there and go, I just watched the beginning, the middle, I think the middle, and the end. I know for sure there's a beginning and an end to this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the middle was about. Well, in it, it and also- now I apparently need to watch it like ten more times to fucking get it. 
Well, and they don't do that. Yeah, no, and and that's the thing. It's like it, it's not even about adaptation. It's just about storytelling in general. It's like if in order for us to connect the dots, which you you want us to do to a certain extent, you also have to set up the right premise for it. You have to set up the right um, uh, scenes that will put that in motion, set those ideas there. Because once that reveal happens, it should be much more of a oh wow, really? You know that kind of thing. Like you want that reaction, not you. Don't, you don't want the audience to go. Well, how did he, what? How did he know that? And and not have the justification for it in the previous, like, hour and a half of the movie. Right. Like, that's the whole, that, that's what, that's what separates in a lot of ways Marvel and DC in terms of how their cinematic universes are shaping out. Because at least Marvel has the decency to set the story points up. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, it's good that I don't have to watch it now, so... Yeah, just don't. Just because it doesn't it doesn't hold weight. That's the problem. Is ultimately like it's a great theory and mm-hmm. it is a solid explanation in theory. Yeah. But it doesn't in any way like the guy the guy decides to mansplain from the get go of like oh, lovely. I'm gonna say something that will definitively change your opinion about this scene and like by the time like so a like from the get go is like all right change my opinion please <laughs> indulge me go on and then he just like the more he talked the more my opinion was just like nope mm. nope still shit yeah. still shit like thank you but nope still shit <laughs> i do i do enjoy when they think that somehow they're going to say something that'll just change your entire worldview in like the next 20 to 50 you know 20 to 25 minutes as they try to painstakingly explain to you the things you missed that right. you didn't get it's like no 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 i mean while while your theory is interesting i stress that it is a theory and communism was a theory as well <laughs> like, <laughs> Looks really great on paper. Execution, not so much. <laughs> but I mean, oh, that that just the the level of people trying to make uh make the movie work and the the level of uh shortcuts that they have to go through, like to right, like really think about it, folks. Like if you have to work as hard as you're working to try to make critics and everybody else love this movie <laughs> there's a problem because how many people do you see out there trying to explain to the internet explain to everybody why civil war is a good movie mm-hmm. oh wait there are none oh, oh. Huh? how about hmm. that <laughs> it's almost like civil war was was fairly well crafted and an exciting time for everyone at the box office right like can we just can we just maybe take the one good thing that came out of Batman versus Superman, which was Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm. Can we just like just throw her in the MCU because clearly they're going to do a better job with her than DC is going to do at this point. So. Well, I, I don't know. It's taken them a long time to get any female characters in the. Fair, fair. I forgot about this. Yes, <laughs> that's where the MCU really starts to fall apart when you think about like it's been what almost a decade and you still haven't had a woman as the lead character of any of your superhero movies. Uh, and even even the one that you're going to have eventually, Wasp, is sharing the the title with Ant Man. So, right. <laughs> like Captain Marvel, I don't think comes out for another what three or four this years. This is the one failing Marvel has all, overall that it's 
it's like, you're doing good things with everything else. Like, you're making certain characters, like, gay, or they're bisexual, or, you know, they're they're multicultural, or... Well, their you know, relationship with people of color is still a little bit low. It's low. They're getting there. Again, the, the best thing that they've done so far is, is Miles Morales. Mm. <laughs> Are we talking comics or in the movies? Uh, comics. But he is coming to the animated series, and he is going to be the focus of the MCU animated universe. Oh, cool! Yeah, so so they're again Marvel tries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't necessarily come out of the gates doing extremely well. They, they stumble a bit, <laughs> but they they're trying. But yeah, no, I I completely agree. As far as what they're doing with women, they still have some ground to make up for. Yeah, <laughs> it's like and, and have you seen the um, give Cap a boyfriend, Captain America a boyfriend? I have. It's. I mean, it's. It's really interesting because. Uh, I mean, when you look at the MCU and how you know when we talked about this during the Civil War podcast, you know everything that Steve has done in terms of motivation for for Cap has been based around Bucky. You know, and so a lot of people have taken that and they're just been like, "Give Cap a boyfriend," because and and like the because is a photo of like them looking at each other and like that longing, almost kind of like, man, I love you kind yeah, of way. I just, I just found it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's great. I love it because, and and I feel I feel like it does bring up an interesting, um, not necessarily idea, but also stuff that is lacking in the Marvel Universe, cinematic and comics at times, is that they're uh, the lack of, you know, queer characters. Uh, and, I mean, we have Iceman now in the comics, and it's like, it, it is kind of along the lines. Like, if you can retroactively make a character like Iceman, who is a founding member of the of the X-Men, you know, plus or minus how their timeline is working out now. Um, so why not? Why couldn't Cap be, uh, you know, homosexual or queer or, bis- you know, whatever? Um, it's interesting, but at the same time, there's also that whole, you know, male friendship should also be something to strive for because that is also a thing that... I think media struggles with is that once you see two heterosexual men, like, you know, being any kind of, I mean, this kind of goes back all the way around to the vulnerability discussion, you know, if they're, they're kind of being less than against quote unquote manly with each other, suddenly that means we should read that they are in love with one another, you know, instead of, oh no, guys can actually have very, you know, deep and involved relationships with each other and just be friends, you know? Right. So it brings up, Two interesting points of the the lack of queer characters in the Marvel Universe and also the idea that we should uh, allow male characters to experience friendship in the same way that we allow female characters to. Yeah. So it, it was just interesting. I mean, I love I love the discussion that com- that comes up around these things. But again, it's it's something like for me, a straight white w- woman is just kind of like, I don't have a dog in this fight. I mean, whatever happens, I'm cool. <laughs> right. It's like I don't have. I don't have as much to worry about at times. And, you know, it's so whenever things like this come up, it's like, I just want to talk about it, but then I don't know how much I can talk about it. <laughs> True enough. But, but have fun with that. I mean, I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment and pleasure out of it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, he will. <laughs> but uh, we're at about an hour and a half. I think this is a. The usual. Yeah, it's about a good stopping point. We're not complaining about too much. We're just concerned. Yes, <laughs> yes, a lot of concern about 
both DC and Marvel properties. Yeah. There's 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 a future ahead of both of them, mm-hmm. and I think the concern is, are they going to choose the path of darkness, mm. or will they choose the path of light? Ooh. Light side they will. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do a Yoda impersonation, but it's a close approximation of a terrible impression, so... Have at it, folks. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a good uh, jumping off point here, or getting off, whatever. I don't know. I'm tired now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, James, as always, thank you for, for joining me in the podcast. Of uh, do you want to plug Nerd Nonsense or anything that's coming up? Yeah, so check us out, folks. Uh, Nerd Nonsense, you can find us, of course, uh, on uh, Sam's page here um, <laughs> with Maniac that girl with the girls, all that jazz. Um, So you can find us on her website. Uh, That's where all our podcasts are. And we have discussions similarly like this where we talk about just nerdy shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's just me and JP. Sometimes we have another. Um, Primarily you'll find it to be me and JP. Mm. Um, Otherwise, uh, you guys can find me at Roman on the Rocks on Twitter. um, Or you can find my Facebook page at Roman on the Rocks. And... uh, I do have a website, but uh, right now you'll just find a big picture of a whiskey glass, and it says Roman on the Rocks. How, how amazing would it be if that just got so popular, just that picture? I kind of wish it would. Like, that would be amazing. Like, I keep getting random posts on my Facebook, like, almost every day that it's just like, your page received one new view on my Facebook one, and I'm like, really? Did it? Because I haven't, really? All right, cool. Just enough random <laughs> people. like nothing is random people just kind of showing up be like hey picture of a whiskey glass i like whiskey i approve of this i approve that they approve yay we all approve of each other mutual approving um yes uh you guys should check out nerd nonsense i've been on one episode so far we'll probably be on one again in the future at some point because i mean i'm kind of in charge of it too so (laughs) i'm the boss Oh, I'm the kingpin. Ha ha ha. <laughs> but you can also find me at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y on Twitter. You can go to maniacally... Ugh, I can't talk. Uh, you can go to maniacalgeek.com, which is the website in which all of this stuff is posted. I will eventually get around to writing something, but I've been in kind of a... Uh, weird space. Uh, bit of a rut lately, so it's coming as something, maybe, eventually. Whatever. In the meantime, uh, enjoy this. Yeah, in the meantime, enjoy the plethora of podcasts that keep going out, because they're so much easier to do right now. They really are. They expend way less energy than having to write an article. Um, but yes, go to Maniacal Geek. Uh, peruse and and love and enjoy and then you can also go on itunes and listen to the podcast as well as soundcloud and go on facebook to maniacal geek and that girl with the curls uh, shared community because i don't know anything about brand consolidation so uh with that in in your minds and your hearts uh good night everybody Bye.